Welcome to Good Life Project, where we take you behind the scenes for in-depth, candid conversations with artists, entrepreneurs, makers, and world shakers. Here's your host, Jonathan Fields. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. My guest today is Eve Branson. Eve Branson is a force of nature with what seems to be an insatiable desire for adventure. As a young woman, Eve disguised herself as a boy to take glider lessons. She enlisted in the Wrens to help the war effort in World War II, acted as a dancer in London's West End Theater, and then as a flight attendant. Retiring from her airborne adventures, at least temporarily, she married the love of her life and then raised three stunningly accomplished kids, including Virgin founder Richard Branson. She's traveled the world, written articles, novels, children's books, and now a new memoir called Mum's the Word. Eve has also been a lifelong advocate for child welfare. She's a founder and director of the Eve Branson Foundation, which provides training and entrepreneurial skills to local communities in Morocco. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good Life Project is brought to you by Understood Explains, a podcast that's like a beacon for parents navigating the special education system. Hosted by Juliana Urtube, a special education expert, this season is all about individualized education plans, or IEPs. Juliana breaks down complex topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP in a way that's easy to grasp. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains about the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, and I was struck by the balance of empathy and practical advice. It's not just about understanding the system. It's about empowering parents and caregivers to advocate for their children, which is just so important. So I've known a number of people who've had to literally scramble to figure out how to advocate for their kids when the system seemed to just make it so hard to get the support that they need and deserve. So if you're a parent navigating this world or even just wondering if it's right for your family, I encourage you to give Understood Explains a listen. Search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. It's like having a roadmap for a journey you didn't expect, making it a little less daunting. Good Life Project is sponsored by LinkedIn Ads. So as a business-to-business marketer, your needs are unique. B2B buying cycles are long and your customers face incredibly complex decisions. So isn't it time you had a marketing platform built specifically for you? LinkedIn Ads empowers marketers with solutions tailored for B2B. Imagine having direct access to a billion professionals, including 180 million senior executives and 10 million C-level leaders with LinkedIn's powerful targeting tools built for B2B, you can drive serious results. LinkedIn ads generated two to five times higher return on ad spend than other social platforms in the technology space. We've actually tapped the power of LinkedIn ads a number of times ourselves, and the campaigns have been really successful. 
If you're ready to revolutionize your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads with a $100 credit on your next campaign. Terms and conditions apply. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. So it's so wonderful to be spending some time with you today. You come from, after reading your book, um, it seems like a lineage of incredibly adventurous women. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been a very interesting life, put it that way. Yeah, tell, uh, tell me a little bit about because it sounds like your mom and grandmother. There, there's this been there's been a tradition. Yeah, of adventure taking. Yes, yes. I think I think the w- w- women have been a bit um, bit crazy all, <laughs> all down the line. Yeah. So and 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 when did you start to sort of? be inspired by this adventurous spirit? It sounds like it's been from the very beginning. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think um, because I'm not very literate and um, was terrible at school and mm. all this sort of thing, I've had to make my way in a quite different type of way. Um, so um, it was, uh, adventure was really to the fore and uh, anything to do with learning was put in the background. So t- talk to me a little bit about this, because from what I understand, um, you're dyslexic. Yeah. And how does what's so fascinating to me is that I've I've had so many conversations with um, many entrepreneurs and artists who have achieved extraordinary things who are dyslexic, and in an, in an odd way, it, I, I wonder if there's a relationship there in some way. Yes. Well, um, you see, Richard's dyslexic, um, and I think you you sort of see something very clearly. On the other hand, you have a real old muddly mind apart from that time, that you, but you've always got this clear, I know exactly where I want to go. Mm. Um, and that's, I suppose, being dyslexic. But uh, apart from that, you're in a muddle. I mean, always in a muddle. Right. So, and I guess to a certain extent, you have to find other ways yeah. to get there that may be not traditional. No. So maybe it takes you down a different that's path. That's right. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. So your different path um, took you to dance. Tell, yeah. me, tell me about this. Yeah. Well, because I was so hopeless at school and everything, the one thing I adored was dancing, and um, I managed to get up to the um, advanced grade in, in my ballet. It was, it was classical ballet, and um, everything was fine, but they found my big toe was too big for my next toe, and so, <laughs> so I couldn't get up on my point shoes probably. The and, career ender with yeah, that. So that. That's the end of that career. Okay, but I had got as far as advanced R.A.D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, but that wasn't the end of your dance career, though. <laughs> Oh, no, no. Well, then I, you know, I had quite a few stage um, performances after that. Uh, yeah, so um, it helped. It did help. Right. Uh, what was it about dance that drew you? Um, about dancing? Yeah. Um, well, I liked the stage. I some found I, I quite enjoyed being on the stage um, in London. Um, or, so I had quite a few of the top shows in London. Um, and that was interesting. So um, this little dyslexic woman, she, she was uh, in uh, His Majesty's Theatre and the Prince of Wales Theatre. So um, that was, and my, my family were in Devon, so they didn't know what I was doing. So they're miles away. So I got away with goodness knows what. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so you're... Um you're enjoying life as a dancer. Mm-hmm. And there was, at one point, it's in your book you write about this, you found yourself living on top of a serial killer? Yes. 
that, that was a bit, you got to tell me, like, I need more information oh about this. God, that was a little bit dramatic. I mean, luckily, with my family tucked away in Devon, I had a, my, one of my girlfriends, a Monsing girlfriend, and we took a lovely little muse flat in London. And we were absolutely chuffed. We thought we had hit the top until the police knocked on our door and said, um, <coughs> excuse me, do you know who's um, in, in the um, muse flat below you? So we said, no, he's a sort of funny man, but he's all right. We didn't, he comes up every so often and talks to us. And, t and the police said, well, you know who he is? And uh, we said, no idea. He said, well, he's a serial killer, and we're just about to... He kills the women in the bath. He, he puts in acid bath. I mean, that's one way of killing women, wasn't it? So um, we, we weren't put in the bath, luckily, so we got away with that one. <laughs> uh, talk about a knock on the door. <laughs> a knock on the door. Yes, Did that make you at all nervous about like either living where you were or no, never, never gave it a moment's thought. I mean, yeah. just because we got a burnt murderer below us. I mean, you, they hadn't murdered us, so we got away with it. <laughs> right, it's kind of like in New York City on any given day. You never know who's around <laughs> you. Um, from there, you, it seems like you have this spirit that starts, you know, uh, as a kid saying, okay, the traditional path, uh, schooling is just not working for me, but um, there's something indomitable in that, that you, you seem never to focus on what you can't do. <laughs> um, and that showed up in, you know, so you embraced dance, and then you became, um, you eventually joined the Wrens to, mm -hmm. uh, during the Second World War, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about this. That was, um, well, I, um, I couldn't think, I was too young to join up, so I thought, well, how can I do something to help? So I joined the, um, the gliding, so I thought I'd become a gliding instructress. So uh, I dressed up as a man and went to the gliding school and I said, um, can I please uh, learn how to glide so I can teach, help teach the little boys? Because uh, you couldn't be a woman to... You had to be a man. Okay. So there I was dressed up as a man, you know, got my little cap on and, uh, and they said, uh, well, yes, all right. They never didn't, they winked, I think they saw through me. And uh, so I learned how to glide. And that was fine. And I taught the little boys, and uh, it was all right. It was my turn to go high because we had only one person in the glider. And uh, I took off, went higher and higher. And when I got really high, I had to release, and be, me being me, released when my nose was up in the air. And of course, I got in a spin and came down like this. And I could sort of see these chaps down below thinking, oh my God, now this, where she's going to be caught now. Uh, she's going to crash, and luckily I pulled the trigger just in the right moment, so all was well there. Got away with that one. <laughs> so did you have a desire to go up in a glider again after that? <laughs> no. I think I've changed my tune. They now realized I was a woman and not a man. Right. Um, and, and from there, you also... Um, it seems like, though, that, that you, you had, had a fascination with being in the air. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, the only next thing is, um, I thought, because the, the war was, um, you know, I was a wren during the war, and life was um, quite interesting, but time to get do something else. So the war's over, and I decided to become an air hostess, and then I could see the world a bit. Mm. So um, I marched um, to the, found somebody who'd let me in to tell me when I could uh, join up, 
and marched in and said I could um, speak languages and I was a nurse and terrible. I mean, all, all lies. But they took me on. <laughs> and so I found myself then as an air hostess. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're detecting common themes here. Fraudulently talking your way into certain <laughs> experiences in life. Yeah. Um, what is it that that's in you that just says, "I this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. I don't care what the rules are." <laughs> um, well, I suppose if you're not very intelligent, you have to sort of get away with it somehow. Now, I, I don't believe. There's, there's <laughs> not a fiber of my being that believes the first part of that sentence. You're, there's clearly a large amount of brilliance in you. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to put it down to. I mean, it was always, I had this rather naughty streak within me, which um, I think got away with quite a lot. So um, I think, I, I, don't, I don't know, but yeah. I, I did get away with it. <laughs> So, so you spend some time um, on planes, mm. um, and then, but then, and, and and with some bumpy flights too from oh, <laughs> the passages passages that I've read of yours. Yeah. Um, then you fall in love. Uh, well, then um, it was pretty dicey being an air host, and then mm. it took us over a week to get um, from England to South America. And I was having the time of my life, of course. Um, we spent a lot of time on the ground. And over the Andes, I went and came back. And then I'd met my husband by then, who was rather dishy um, cavalry officer, who'd also just got, got demobbed. And he said, well, now, look, you, I'm, you, I'm afraid you've got to stop being in um, all this danger. I'd better marry you. Then you'll stop it, won't you? So I thought, well, OK, I'd better do that. <laughs> yeah. So, but that was the end of the of the air adventure. But it also seemed to be the beginning of an entrepreneurial adventure for you. Um, what did I do? Well, well, I, I, I mean, obviously there was you know that was the start of your your you know being a wife and then a mother. Yeah. Um, and I want to explore that too. Yeah. But it seemed like you were also, even then, like you were always building something on the side. <laughs> well, I had to because. Um, my, my dishy husband, um, I'm afraid, uh, was of course fought the war and had no no experience, uh, no qualifications. Um, he was supposed to be a lawyer, but he hadn't got a, his finals. And um, we, of course, start Richard on the first night of our honeymoon. Now, I wouldn't advise anybody. <laughs> and um, so. And then there was no money, so I had to struggle because um, he had to learn to be a barrister, and it was up to me now to have a baby and to have no money and to find a house, mm. and so it was quite a sort of struggle. Right, mm. but but you started your own business on the side. I had to. I mean, I had to. I didn't know how to. I was unqualified about anything, so I thought, well, if I cut up a pillow and turn it into three cushions, that might make money. I'll make two cushions profit. So I started doing that. And of course, we had feathers everywhere. <laughs> and um, anyhow, so that didn't last that long, but it worked. <laughs> right. And, and as you said, you started a family at the same time that you started um, as a wife. Yeah. So Richard was born within a year? Or? Well, yes, yes. Yeah, he was. Um, so then we had uh, Richard, the baby. Right. Um, and it wasn't long, so then I thought, well, I better have a, 
go on making things and selling things. I couldn't help do anything else, and I didn't even know how to do that, but I'd got away with being a bit naughty again. And um, then, of course, I had another child, and that, that was just one over the odds, Lindy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right, and, and, then, and then a third. <laughs> and then, of course, I did wait a little while before the third. <laughs> right. And, and um, it, it seems like also uh, um, that your adventurous spirit has been passed down to your children. <laughs> well, so I think Richard's picked it up all right. So, to, so I've gone through hell following him now. Yeah, I mean, which is, and talk to me a little bit more. I'm, I'm curious how, because on the one hand, and, uh, and I'll share a story with you. When I was, when I was younger, I, was a rock, I liked to rock climb, yeah. and I would travel around the world and climb. And I was in heaven, and I was very adventurous and a risk taker. And my mother would be at home, just waiting for me to call when I got down at the end of the yeah. day. You know, like, and she loved the fact that I was very independent, and <laughs> I loved to do these things. But at the same time, it was very hard for her. <laughs> and so, as as a, and I'm a parent now also. Yeah. And I want to instill that same sense in my daughter. But I, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, the only difference is that I, um, unlike your mother. I had to be with my, he wanted me actually to be with him and my husband. He, wherever he went, all these dangerous things, uh, we always were there. Um, he seemed to need, because his wife didn't want to do it, and why should she? Um, but I, I wanted to, and so by doing it, every minute I would write to take my mind off when he was really dangerous, because mm. he has gone through quite a few very dangerous things. Yeah. So, so, so then writing for you became Every, an it, everything. Yeah, it was. I, I never thought I'd publish or anything, but thanks to Holly coming into my life, um, Holly Peppy, um, then I, that was the first time that I thought, well, well, she said, "Come on, you've got to publish this." <laughs> yeah, but but so that's the first time you published. But um, it seems like you've been writing and keeping journals for always. Yeah. Always. Yep. Yeah. yeah. What was what? What is it about just the process of journaling that's meaningful to you? What is well, it? I, I think if you're an artist, you want to paint. If you're a musician, you want to use your instrument. And as a writer, you just have to write. I mean, mm. uh, it's just something that that's about all I can do, do now. And, uh, yeah. And I love it. I love it. But I couldn't paint, and I couldn't play the piano. But I, I think I sort of can write. <laughs> yeah. No, because it was incredible re reading your book. Um, just the, the the detail of the stories, and it was it was just to have that. I've often I, I've often thought I should start to journal myself because yeah. I'm a writer, yeah. but I don't journal. And yeah. most yeah. writers that I know do journal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I've thought that to be able to even just have that to look back on, yeah, you know, to re to just turn open a page yeah. from you know when, yeah. and remember, I think would probably be pretty um, meaningful. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's. It's your, I mean, you're not dying with nothing. You're dying with a, your story behind you. Mm. Um, but you don't do it for that reason. Um, you just do it because you have to write. And, and I've been lucky enough to lead a very interesting life because of Richard. Mm. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So, have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So, I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front-row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Good Life Project is sponsored by LinkedIn Ads. So as a business-to-business marketer, your needs are unique. B2B buying cycles are long and your customers face incredibly complex decisions. So isn't it time you had a marketing platform built specifically for you? LinkedIn Ads empowers marketers with solutions tailored for B2B. Imagine having direct access to a billion professionals, including 180 million senior executives and 10 million C-level leaders with LinkedIn's powerful targeting tools built for B2B, you can drive serious results. LinkedIn ads generated two to five times higher return on ad spend than other social platforms in the technology space. We've actually tapped the power of LinkedIn ads a number of times ourselves, and the campaigns have been really successful. If you're ready to revolutionize your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads with a $100 credit on your next campaign. Terms and conditions apply. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. So you um, lead an interesting life partly because of Richard, partly because... Richard is who he is yeah. because of you. Yeah. <laughs> 50-50. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you share a story uh, in the book about, um, I guess it's, and maybe you can give me more background on this, um, wanting to, um, the, about the, the idea that children should be um, bold. Um, bold. And, and bold and not shy. Bold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and how you yes. <laughs> share this experience. Well, yeah. When they, they, when they were little, um, my husband and I would not allow them to be shy. We said, look, if you're shy, you're just thinking of yourself. So we had to make them say the only way not to be shy is to 
put the other person at their ease. Do anything you like, give them a lolly if necessary, you know, do anything. But forget yourself, you're selfish if you're shy. Mm. So it, it worked. And so Richard is completely unshy now. Yeah, which is so interesting because, I mean, I've, I've always thought that there's you know, either a level of introverted or extroverted. Um, it's just you are that way or you aren't. Yeah, yeah. But your experience with, with Richard, at least, was that he was, I guess, almost painfully shy when he was very young. Oh, yeah. But now he's almost the opposite. <laughs> yes, he's, uh, he's not showing off. Um, some people think that. This, because I, we were taught him that he's so good, really. He, mm. he puts everybody else at their ease, and he's got them. Um, yeah, so he's, he's good at that way. So he doesn't get ticked off with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're his mom to a certain extent. It's like the parents' job. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it, you, at some point, also uh, develop an interest in, um, in child welfare. Yeah. Tell me how this comes about. Well, um, I think I, 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 why does it come about? Uh, I had all these various um, voluntary jobs, and, and uh, one of them was looking after children uh, or poor um, children. Um, but how, how does it come about that I'm working in Morocco, do you mean? No, just your interest. I mean, where does this desire to sort of help and serve children um, in need um, has that been a common thread, or um, is this, was there an, an, an experience that moved you to become more in, involved in it? Um, I, d I don't know how. Um, I was a, a JP, a Justice of the Peace, mm. and um, of course I had to deal with a lot of youngsters that were coming up before me who had got into trouble with the police. And um, I said, one thing I really did learn, that um, anything from 14 to 20, they are get, don't be too strict with them because they're going to get over their naughtiness by the time they're 20. And so um, I learned a lot by being a JP, really. Right. Mm. And, and, and that, I guess, was another way for you to, to serve youth in a different way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, when do you become involved in Morocco? Um, well, Morocco was um, a bit of a mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it's a very jagged line. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, um, it was, um, Richard was going around the world in his balloon. Now, these balloons were vast, much taller than the, um, um, the Tower of London. I mean, they were huge. So they used Morocco because early in the morning it was utterly still. Mm. And a balloon fully blown up had to be utterly still. So Morocco was th that way inclined early in the morning. So um, Richard was all dolled up, ready to go around the world in his balloon. And while he was uh, getting dolled up, I was taken up into the hills of Morocco and shown the most beautiful casbah. And I thought, hey, it was for sale. So I thought, I must go and tell Richard. But meanwhile, because he was going around the world, so he didn't no more wanted to know about um, get, buying a, a casbah. But when I got down from the hills, um, the balloon was no more there. And what had happened, um, a jet had landed, and as it swiveled around to show the passengers this huge balloon, the wind had got under the balloon, and the balloon had gone. So by the time Richard got back, having changed, there was no balloon. Now everybody was so sad but me, because I thought, <laughs> now I can sell him my Casma. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so that's how it happened. So that was the beginning of it. That was the beginning and of it, a long story. And in your mind, what, what, what did you want to create there? Well, that, this is so exciting because I then got him at the, at the breakfast table. That's the only hope. And he was reading his paper. And I said, Richard, I found this Casper. You've got to buy it. And shoving it under his newspaper. And he said, oh, mum. So he closed his newspaper. And he said, I tell you what, I will on one condition, that you look after all the villagers around. And um, I thought, well, the village over the river, that, that'll be a good one to start. So I said to Brahim, who was one of the managers of this hotel, Brahim, I'm going over to that village. I think they may need some help. Oh, he said, you don't want to go there. They throw stones at you. Right. Off I go next day over the Because river. for you, that's the invitation. Oh, that's it. Oh, boy. You go throw stones. And I took a girlfriend, and we struggled up to this little village. And it was so poor that um, they had nothing. And uh, I met Granddad going up, and Granddad introduced me to Granny at the top. And she gave me a mint tea. That's so hospitable. That's all they've got is mint tea, but mint tea we had. And I said, do you think the girls would like to learn to make things? And she, I think she said, yes, I had an interpreter. And so I said, right, I'm on. So I thought, from then on, I'm going to help that village. And no stones were thrown at me. So I went back. And from now on, I've got all these villages up there. And I'm trying to help make things for them or teach them to make things so they don't have to beg or they can make their own money. So it's been very exciting, very exciting. Yeah, so it's, a, it's like you're teaching them the, the art of entrepreneurship, essentially. Well, um, what I didn't want is uh, it's, uh, all the Americans are so generous. They, I didn't want them begging or like the, uh, they wanted to make their own money so they, because they're proud people. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to help their pride. And so now they're all making wonderful things and we're selling them for them. And the, the villages, the poor villages, are rarely getting on their feet and no longer so poor. Mm. So it's very exciting. That must feel wonderful. It's very exciting, yes, yes. Does, and does that, um, and especially because that wasn't really the original intention. <laughs> no, no it, was, no, it certainly wasn't. But uh, I've kept to my word with Richard. And, um, He's got the most beautiful Casper up there, mm. so he's happy. Um, and um, I think the last thing that was rather exciting, when I was a little girl, uh, my father taught me to save some money. So he'd give me 6p, and I had to put 3p um, on one side, and 3p to give away, and 3p to save. And uh, when I was out there last a few months, three weeks ago, um, I went to the local bank and I said, look, have you got a, 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 a book that my girls can have so they save their money? And he said, yes. So I went up and I said, um, I've got a savings book for you girls. Mm. And they, they first of all said, oh, no, we, we, obviously they put their money under them. I'll go, <laughs> right. give it to granny or something. And um, I've just heard that one girl's got her bank book and she's starting to save and the others are going to cash on. So they're very little. They only have sort of 20 dirhams mm. or something. but. It's a start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is is um, is there is there education in that part of? of no, they leave school at thirteen. Wow. So um, so they can't write or, or they can't or they certainly can't speak English or anything like that. Right. Is there is there even an opportunity to do that or are they yeah, pretty? Yeah, I've got teachers. Um, I've got a teacher. He goes and teaching them play, uh, play English. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it seems like I guess you're know, like, um, 
I guess you know there are different vulnerabilities. You know, one is there's is poverty, and then education. You know, mm-hmm. and there's money is a problem, and and just the education to be able to understand or or to create the skill set or the knowledge to yeah. do different things. It, it, it's amazing. Um, the intelligence is there. The fact that I'm um, uneducated as such. Um, for instance, we've sent up um, somebody to teach um, to teach them to make their own clothes, and they have to use a ruler and they have to work out. So he has to show them on the ruler uh, the, uh, the measurements and. And they're now starting to make their own clothes, and they're, of course, thrilled with that. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so they can, they've got the intelligence, just a matter of teaching. Right, yeah, and, and access to people who will come in and help. Yeah, yeah. Um, and provide yeah, instruction. Yeah, we've got a lot of teachers. Um, Kasbah also, when I, I think about other things that you've been a part of mm. breathing life into, mm. there's two other words that come rock the Casbah. <laughs> yes. So you've also created a foundation, yeah. uh, the Eve Branson Foundation, and one of the big things that you do is this giant fundraising thing. But tell me more about just what the foundation is is about. Why does it exist? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, well, um, we've got more than one village. We've got now, every time I find a village that has nothing, it's got to be completely, um, uh, they have no help at all, no electricity, no water, no gas. So, um, according to how much money I can be given or made, make, um, I take on yet another village. Mm. Uh, but very often we then have to dig a well. Um, we have to put electricity in for them. Uh, so it all takes money. So I have to do funny things to make money. And uh, my next funny thing. Do you want to hear what yeah, my yeah, next I'm, funny I'm, thing is? Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suddenly say to Richard. Richard, I'm going to run a polo. Um, I'm going to make money out of polo. So he said, oh, you can't do that. You can't possibly do that. Anyhow, so I set to, and last year... <laughs> Which, uh, again, when you can't means, well, you just can't. watch me. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, so then last year, I got a, a team, just only other two people and myself, and we got in touch with all the polo people, and we put on a polo match. We didn't make a lot of money, but we didn't lose money. That was last year. Mm. And this year, we are doing it much bigger at Easter. So the goal of the foundation now is to just serve more and more villages at this point. Well, yes, but even each village costs quite a lot of money uh, to run because you've got to get the teachers, you've got to right. get transport there because there's no transport out there mm. at all. Um, and there's a lot of expense. I used to get um, quite a bit of money from Los Angeles. Um, they used to put on a wonderful man, um, T- Tim Suris. He used to put on a huge ball for me once a year. Mm. And that kept me going. Uh, but he had to go back to train for something. And suddenly there was no more money coming in. And so this is why I couldn't think how to make any money. And so, stupidly, I decided to make it through polo. So, <laughs> and that's my hope. So I'm really hoping to make some money at uh, Easter with this mm. polo match. Yeah. yeah. What's the? Uh, do you have in your mind sort of um, the ultimate goal of this, or is it just to every day be able to serve more people? Well, you get to you get very fond of these girls, yeah. um, and they are wonderful, wonderful people. I mean, the welcome I get when I go out there is worth every minute of all the work and the worry you've got. And they're unaware of the fact that it takes a lot of money to get them sitting around that table and learning. Um, but um, if they start saving, um, I don't mind. Um, 
and they are now. So yeah. this was, to me, the most exciting thing because they're very shy. For instance, um, there's one girl with a, a squint and it's really, she looks, doesn't look very attractive with a squint. And um, I managed to find a doctor who said, now look, if you get her uh, to come to me, um, I'll, I'll cure her squint. And she's too shy, she won't do it. She just won't do it. You see, you're up against that type of thing. Because they've never left the village, and they've never right. done it. You know, they are completely virgins. <laughs> do do any of them? Do they do any of them dream of leaving, or is this just no, the world no, that they like the, and know? Well, at the moment, what we are doing is, if they learn, because we have, they, we we teach them English. They have once a week. Okay. Um, if they show signs of really learning their English, um, we try them out at the Casper. Uh, to learn to be make the beds or do some very simple job there, mm -hmm. um, and if they prove good, or good at that and good at, uh, then we take them on. We're going to start employing them. Uh, but this is all early days, yeah. um, but these will be wonderful. You, um, we've talked a little bit about a, a lot about you and a little bit about Richard. Um, mm. you, you have two early kids yeah. who are um, have their own talents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, one of them an artist. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Well, uh, my eldest is um, Lindy, and she's a talented artist. She uh, now is sculpting heads and uh, uh, whatever she she can do, pottery, she can do anything to do with art, she's really, really good at. Yeah. Uh, but the next one, which is about six years younger, Vanessa, she's an entrepreneur. I mean, she also now ha runs her own hotel in Marrakesh. Um, and runs a huge art festival every year, at which the king's helping her over that now. Mm. So it's quite exciting what they're doing. So, um, so clearly they take after you. <laughs> no, no, I don't know much. Well, because your husband was was a barrister yeah, for a very yes, long. Yes, yes, he was, um, he, he was, yeah. And you were the adventurer, entrepreneur. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, yeah. <laughs> There's he, a spirit that was handed he down. down to earth. He, he, yeah. Right. I mean, it's 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 so interesting to see that. Um, one of uh, Richard's newest uh, or latest quests is to is space. Yep, space. And of course, he named the first ship. <laughs> yes, he rang me up and he said, Mom, oh God, what's coming now? He said, do you mind if I call the mothership Eve? So I said, no, I suppose not, I'm okay, as long as I can go up in her. And so I think, I hope I'm going to go up. Uh, in in my spaceship, yeah. which would be pretty incredible. Oh, Is there any more, any more news or information on it, that? It was definitely. It's going to be, I think, at the end of this year now. Mm. Yeah, so it's coming on. Yeah. That would be yeah. incredible. So I take up my astronauts and off we go. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I press the knob at the right time and not get into a spin. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, just forget about the glider incident from. Um, I've, I've, it's been so enjoyable speaking to you. So, oh. so the name of this, this project is called the Good Life Project. So if, if I offer that phrase up to you, to live a good life, yeah. um, what does that feel like? What does it mean to you to live a good life? What, what, what is that for um, you? Well, my life's pretty good as it is, you know. Um, I mean, as long as you keep fit and healthy, um, um, it, 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 I think it's a wonderful life. I mean, I, I, I can't fault it. Um, but it's all a matter of health, really, mm. um, and um, and friends, and uh, uh, yeah, and being constructive. You must be constructive 
every minute of the day and night, even if it's sewing or knitting or embroidery or learning a language, as long as you've got something constructive to do, um, then you're happy, really happy. Beautiful. So that's my good life. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Okay, love it. Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.